Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We've got our next guest on the line. Time to talk a little bit of actual sports. The last month of the NBL, uh, the action is underway with teams fighting it out for playoff seeding. Kings look like the runaway first seeds. The Breakers looking pretty steady uh, in third. And to talk about all of that is voice of the Breakers, Andrew Mulligan. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Fellas, good. How are you guys? Very, very well. Beaver's actually coming to us live and direct from his batch down in the Coromandel. He's stuck there after the recent cyclone, aren't you, Beef? Yeah, I am, Mulls. So, uh, but, you know, us professionals, we uh, we make do with whatever situation we've got. Oh, absolutely, Beaver. I admire your professionalism. I would have said that the phone lines and the internet were gone as well, and um, I was uncontactable. <laughs> Well, we have had some difficulties this morning, it is fair to say. Yeah, so, it's, uh... it wouldn't be too far from the truth, Miles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, the Breakers lost uh, last night. That's two on the trot now. Uh, is this a little bit of a slide? Should we be concerned about where the Breakers are at? Yeah, look, I was thinking about this last night after the game, knowing I was talking to you guys and how to frame this. It's, it, these aren't, these aren't, um, these losses aren't because of a certain trend that the breakers aren't uh, playing like they used to in the start of the season. There are elements that are creeping in that are a little bit concerning, but they aren't because um, they're on the slide. These are, these are because they're coming up against teams who are desperate to make this top six. It used to be the top four, now it's the top six. It's a play-in tournament style between teams four to six in the standings. The top two teams go through, basically, to the semifinals. But what is concerning is that they're just starting to look like um, they're going away from what was really, really working for them. And, and guys like Derek Pardon, the centre, he's just not asserting his dominance in the paint like he was in the first half of the season. He's not as aggressive as he was uh, in the paint. He, he's not taking shots. It looks like he's just been, I don't want to say timid because that would insinuate that he's um, not being aggressive and he's been a little bit scared about it. But he looks like he's just not trying to get his shot up and away against longer defenders in the paint and then using his physicality to draw fouls. And that is a little worrying. Obviously, no Barry Brown last night, which is huge because while they run the pick and roll a lot, a lot of isolation with Barry Brown is also a big factor of their offense and that can uh, can cause a lot of concern when he's on the floor for teams. They don't have that option uh, for the next couple of weeks. Somebody has to become a, an ISO player and Will McDowell-White and Isaiah Liapa just aren't those type of players. They're really good at everything else that they do. But that's not what the Breakers have in those players where Barry Brown usually picks up the slack and scores 20 to 25 points a game. Hmm. Well, you talked about uh, Barry Brown there missing offensively. I looked at the scoreline there from last night. She looks like she was uh, put under the uh, jersey and kicked to the corner sort of uh, 
football there. It's uh, pretty low scoring for the breakers. It was a real rolling wall type of game, B. It was honestly, it was, it was. Uh, I wanted to get get out there and sack them all. It was awful. It was, um, it was pretty ugly. Uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, dress it up and toe the company line of Sky and say, hey, no, the Barcelona's been great. No, you guys should watch. Uh, unfortunately, that was a game that I won't be going back into the highlights reel and going, geez, remember that great play? Because there, there were few and far between, unfortunately. Um, that's the kind of style that the breakers will drag the, the, the game down to as a pace where they want you to play at their level, um, which is a little bit slower. Um, things are a little bit harder to get. They're a little bit more physical than most teams in the NBL. Um, and yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't a great watch. I feel for the crowd that turned up in Christchurch because it was a great crowd. There's about 5,000 people, which is pretty good for a January night mm-hmm. um, on a hol- in the holidays for some. So yeah, it wasn't a great advertisement. Big game on, uh, on Sunday against Cairns and, uh, at Spark Arena. And hopefully they get, you know, five, six, seven thousand there for that game because Cairns are above them in the ladder. Um, they play tonight, they play Illawarra. And Cairns don't have one of their best players, Keanu Pinder, who's still out with injury. So they, they need to win the breakers. They've got a pretty good schedule in the run home. There's only about, off the top of my head, there's only about seven games left for the breakers. And uh, five of them are against teams below them. Um, and they need to win all five of those and at least beat Sydney or Cairns, who are their other two games coming up in that schedule. Our coach Modi Mayor came out um, last week and he said that the breakers were a little bit hard done by on foul calls. Uh, this was against the Wildcats. And he said, you know, he went on this big speech about how he didn't want to talk about this in the media, but he, it seems like it's gotten to the point where you have to say something about it to get those calls. You mentioned before Derek Pardon potentially being a little bit maybe timid or not as aggressive. As, as part of it that the, the breakers have gone away from their aggressive style of play, or is, is Modi on the right track there where he's saying, look, unless people are going to whinge about these calls, they're just not going to get them? Yeah, that's exactly right, Manai. You, you hit the nail on the head there because it's not so much that they, they, they're going away from that style because of the referees. They're just getting the, the calls against them early on in the game. Mm. And that obviously has to change the way that they, they're played. But then the foul count last night was evened up after half time, And that says to me, um, that maybe the referees talked about the way the game's going in the, in, at half time and then adjusted the way that they were calling the game in the second half. And so players, they just want that consistency. It's something that they've always harped on about. We just want the game called the right way from the beginning so we know where we stand when the game comes down to crunch time. And inv- invariably, you see it in every league, NBA down through all the leagues in the world, referees generally swallow their whistle at crunch time, if the game is close. Yeah. They're not, you're not going to get that, that, that call. You're not going to get that grab. You're not going to get that hook call unless it's blatantly obvious. And the breakers probably fall victim to that more so than other clubs in the NBL. It's hard to prove. You'd have to compile a really, really interesting YouTube supercut that I can't be bothered. Uh, maybe uh, <laughs> Rusty Erasmus would spend an hour on YouTube trying to do that. Um, um, I wouldn't. Worry, I wouldn't. I, yeah, worry. Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel as though it's it's just a it's just a byproduct of the league. They can't do much about it. But Modi Maor, he played his cards right. He sat on this all season long. He knows that this home stretch is coming up. The run home to get your playoff seating locked up, and that is what Modi Maor did with that with those comments. He started to talk about the referees without complaining about the referees, and that was key. 
and that's something that um, I think is brilliant coaching on his behalf. Yeah, absolutely. He's been uh, had a noticeable impact since he's come across here. I want to switch now to the uh, NBA. I'm watching a couple of Nets highlights uh, on the screen right now. The massive turnaround since firing Steve Nash. Uh, they went on a what a ten plus game winning streak. But Sean Marks doesn't seem like he can dodge a headache. Uh, Kevin Durant, arguably, well, I mean, definitely their best player, arguably the league's best player this year as well. He's uh, done his knee. I think Jimmy Butler fell into him. Is is this worrying for the Nets, who seem to have turned it around a bit? Yeah, it is. I, I was just looking at the, the, the Nets the other day, actually, and looking at how they've just got some really, really uh, superstar players, obviously. And then they've got guys like Nick Claxton, who's like leading the league in blocks. He's he's rebounding the ball really well. He's been that big man that they need in the middle who can play that pick-and-roll offense and he can clean up the glass. But it's just really hard. There's a there's a drop-off um, after Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And it just... Joe Harris isn't Joe Harris of what he was. The ball isn't moving around as much. I just feel as though um, the Nets need to rebalance by the trade deadline if they really want to compete and get out of the East and into the NBA Finals because it's going to be really hard to get past the Celtics and the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about the uh, the trade deadline coming up, it's one of my favourite parts about American sports is the trades, um, that part, particularly as a selfishly as someone who works in sports radio, obviously gives us a lot more ammo <laughs> for our shows. Um, do you, uh, what do you, who do you think will be the biggest pieces to move? Obviously the Lakers are one of the big contenders to move Russell Westbrook or try and get someone in there because they're in a dire situation. You mentioned the Nets. Um, there are a whole lot of players, a whole host of players on the on the chopping block. Uh, people are talking about the Toronto Raptors potentially moving some players. Do you think we'll see any big movement in this trade window or not? I look. It's really weird because the trade window, the trades in mid season aren't as much of a factor anymore as they used to be when they brought on this playing tournament because that means there's another. Two to four teams, maybe five teams, depending on how, how the standards are going, that are actually playing for the playoffs. And therefore, they're not tanking. And teams would trade away a good player um, to tank for Wimba and the Armour. Mm. Basically, that's who they're going for. But Victor Wimba and the Armour. So I don't know if there's any going to be any major trades go down this trade deadline. There are certainly lots of rumours swirling around, like, like you say, Russell Westbrook. But then he's averaging triple-doubles off the bench for the Lakers. They seem to have got their, um, got their stuff together. Um, I, you know what? I just the Bulls might make a move. Zach Levine. It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> you could move his massive contract. He's got a about you know three or four years remaining, mm. and hundreds of millions of dollars remaining. He and Demar Derozan, uh, you know, maybe don't click. Uh, it's hard to move a massive contract like those guys have. Um, I'm not too sure to be honest. I look at the teams who probably would like to make a trade, who could make a trade. Maybe Sacramento. Um, you know, you, you've got the likes of the New York Knicks. It's just pieces that they need to bring in and what they're going to give up. And it's always draft picks uh, and decent role players. So I, I couldn't give you a, a definite name right now, but trades mid-season aren't as likely as they used to be because of this, this play-in tournament. They've expanded the opportunities for players and, uh, excuse me, for teams in those spots further down the standings. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you raise. Obviously, there's a you know a, a very clear bottom sort of four or five who are almost openly tanking for Victor Wembanyama, but as you mentioned, there's now more incentive for those sort of middle-tier teams who can still make the play-in tournament. So hopefully that doesn't dampen the uh, the, the trade 
trade season too much. Uh, but Andrew, we'd greatly appreciate your time this morning on the show. It was bright and early uh, for both of us, but we uh, yeah greatly appreciate you coming on the show and uh, get up the breakers over the next couple of weeks. Awesome, fellas. Always appreciate talking to you, boys. Thank you very much for your time. Brilliant. Andrew Mulligan, Sky Sport uh, basketball commentator there. It's great to get his thoughts.